The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. When all four Gospels cover a subject, it really draws your attention. And uh, what we're talking about today, the triumphant entry of Christ, all three, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John cover it. Now, John's details are not as much, but after he came in and everybody was there laying their clothes down and having branches of palm trees, waving them and laying them down and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when they had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, asking this question, Who is this? Well, today on Exploring the Word, more than anything else, we want to make sure you know who Jesus Christ is. And if that were asked to someone, you know, who is Jesus? I would have to say, I would not say, well, I'm not a theologian. I don't know how to answer that. I believe from the Word of God, you can have a correct answer. Alex, uh, it's good to be with you today, and as we look at the the the, the week before Palm Sunday, uh, it is exciting to see how all the city of Jerusalem was, that was the buzz, that was the talk, and the question was, who is this? I think that's a good question that we can answer. Absolutely. That's, in fact, life's most important question, who is Jesus? And then what has been my response to Jesus? Bert, it's great to be with you on today's edition of Exploring the Word. And, you know, this is what I'm going to be preaching about Sunday in Cincinnati, Ohio at Landmark Church. And so I'd love to see anyone there. If you happen to be in the Cincinnati, Ohio area, I'll be there for all the services on Sunday morning. But, uh, Bert, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 21, 4 and 5, uh, notes regarding Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, quote, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Tell the people of Zion, look, your king is coming to you lowly. That, that really means unassuming. Uh, in other words, humble. Riding on a donkey and on the colt, the foal of a donkey, and Bert, this is a reference to uh, Zechariah 9, 9 yes. from the Old Testament, which had said, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem, your king comes to you righteous, victorious, lowly riding on a donkey. And, you know, the people said, Hosanna. Bert, did you ever look up in a, uh, and see what Hosanna means? As I understand it. It's it's the cry, save now. Save now. That's what I've always been taught. I believe that is right. And and when you come to this triumphant entry, you really, if, if you want to do more than look at that week, go back, and if you would, he started up north, and, uh, and he, that's when he first said, the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem, and he'll be persecuted, he'll be hurt, he'll even be uh, put to death, but he'll rise again. He starts doing that, and he makes his way down from there, goes to Capernaum, comes to Jericho, and that's exactly where we find him before chapter 21 of Matthew, uh, coming up from Jericho. Just let me get this so people will have this. Verse 29, now as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Now, this multitude would follow him all the way. And if, again, in chapter 21, verse 1, when he came near Jerusalem, that multitude, 
and it was growing. And, and, and this is really an important time. Don't look over this entry, this triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It really puts the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, Alex, Jesus, uh, you remember up to this time, he says, my hour is not yet come, my time is not yet come, but now he presents him in such a manner, and it really does cause these people to respond in some way. Jesus is even controlling the timing of when they will respond to him. I, I just love this, that Jesus is in control, isn't he? Well, amen. He's absolutely in control. And you know what? That's why it says he laid down his life. You know, Jesus, what, it's been said, this is not original with me, but Jesus was not a martyr dying. He was a Savior giving his life. And so he comes in on, on a donkey. And, you know, Bert, this uh, it's Passover. And, of course, we're going to be celebrating Palm Sunday this Sunday. But some history books say that uh, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, would often ride into Jerusalem with his soldiers, like an entourage, at Passover. And it was kind of demoralizing. He was showing his strength through the, you know, swords and arms that the men carried. And it was, you know, kind of humbling and even demoralizing to the Jewish people at their most holy observance of the year, you know, the Paschal, Passover lamb. Jesus... This first entry, he doesn't come like a soldier on a horse. He comes humbly on a donkey, the symbol of peace. And, Bert, let me say this. I don't know if the people could really comprehend it, but Jesus came representing not the kingdom of Rome, but the kingdom of God, and not force, but peace and grace. Just a, an absolute polar opposite of what Pilate would arrogantly do in riding in at Passover. It is amazing. And, you know, he just did everything different. Uh, it, it's the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I came not for you to serve me, but I came to serve. Jesus totally turned it upside down from what uh, a conqueror would do, but he would conquer through love. He would conquer through overcoming sin and death. And so, Alex, that's who he, is, uh, who he is, and so notice it comes here on the outskirts of Jerusalem in chapter 21. This is also, let me just make sure you know this, uh, Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12 all cover this entry into Jerusalem. It's that important. It's, it's, it sets the week up for when he would be crucified on Friday. So these are very important days. And like I said, all four, not just the three synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which cover a lot of the same thing, but John also, he doesn't give the same details, but he gives some details to it. But Alex, notice in uh, chapter 21, verse 1, now when? Now, this is it. I, again, I, I, I love these words, now when. Jesus is saying, now's the time. I've waited for this time, I've looked forward to it, and now it has come. And he's presenting himself. You can't help but think about, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. So here he comes into Jerusalem, the, the location of the temple, the, the seat of power for the Hebrew people that 
he came unto his own, and he's presenting himself from, like you said, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, as the Messiah that was to come from God. And Alex, again, the people, many of them did recognize this, Hosanna, son of David, but many did not. And uh, Alex, sounds like it was that way in the book of Acts when Paul would go on his missionary journeys and he would share them of who Jesus was. Guess what? Some would believe, some would not. That's still taking place today, isn't it? Well, it, it really is, and that's, you know, when Jesus would weep over Jerusalem and he said, you know, Jerusalem, you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Uh, you know, there it's been said there are three betrayals, you know, in Christ's um, Passion Week. Okay, Peter, Judas, and really the people, okay? And folks, we don't want you to be one that rejects Jesus. We want you to know the Lord Jesus, uh, and that's why we teach the Word of God, but we continually give out this this appeal to make sure that you have Christ in your heart. You know, Peter said to Jesus, said, I would die for you. And yet Jesus warned him and said, well, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. And then Judas, who in the garden kissed Jesus, greeted Jesus with a kiss, and yet sold him out for 30 pieces of silver, which was the price of a slave in that day. You know, isn't it something Jesus willingly enslaved himself so that we could be liberated, set free? But then the people betrayed Jesus because they had said, Hosanna! And then just a very, very, very short time later, we're shouting, crucify him. And, you know, I've always, Bert, have you tried to get your mind around the fact that Jesus wept? He wept over Jerusalem. He really wept for Jerusalem, didn't he? I would say so too, Alex, because he uh, he knew what they were missing. They were missing out on life, and and that's why it grieves, and 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 we can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about as as even believers that we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God, and when we let sin and and things keep us away from following Him and doing His will, even as believers not doing His will, it grieves God. And so Jesus was grieved, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I would have taken you under my wing as a mother hen takes her cheeks. But here's the, here's the horrible word, you would not. God yeah. says, this is what I wanted, but you would not even take that. And so, Alex, I, I love this, too, and we're, we're going back and forth setting this up, but I love that even Jesus was talking about he was in control of it now and when. Uh, he even knows where that donkey is, and he sends those apostles to go get the donkey, and he says, let me tell you, if you'll say this to them, the owner of the donkey, he'll release him, and you can bring him to me. <laughs> even, you know, I'm amazed. Yes, the winds obeyed him. The waves obeyed him. The food would be multiplied. You know, all the things that would happen, and now here even at this time, he's demonstrating his knowledge and his power, isn't he? He really is. You know, when I was a little kid and I would read this, it just mystified me. And he said, you're going to find this donkey tied up. And if anybody says anything to you, just simply say, the Lord has need of it. And of course, it was okay. And I, I thought, wow, that's just amazing. But Luke 19, 41 through 42 is Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city. He wept over it and said, if you, 
even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Um, let me just say to everybody, without you know spiritualizing too much, uh, the, the Bible uses the phrase, the time of your visitation. The, the prophets had predicted, the scriptures had been read, certainly the people knew the Messiah was coming, and yet when he was there, they missed it. Friend, do not miss the, quote, the, the time of your visitation. Now, what do we mean by that? It means that moment when suddenly you realize that God loves you and that you need Christ in your life. And you, you know, maybe even right this minute, you're aware that Jesus is calling out to you. And look, uh, we're all going to die either by death or by Christ's return. Look, we're all going to see God. Are you ready? The time of your visitation, the Holy Spirit is calling you right this minute and saying, make right with Jesus. Bert, there have been people throughout history that have ignored the sound of God calling out. We don't want anybody today to ignore the overtures of the Holy Spirit. Do not miss the time of your visitation from the Savior's appeal. You know, Alex, a lot of times I've preached and I've asked this question about believers. How many of you believers? How many of you responded as best you could know the very first time you felt impressed of the Holy Spirit that you were a sinner and need to be lost? Most people don't need to do be it saved. the first time. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody hold up their hand and say, yes, I did. And I, I'm so thankful. You know, we had that call the other day as God, the God of second chances. Aren't you glad he impressed upon us more than just one time? I hope if he's impressing upon you now, today, as Alex said, do it today. We'll be back with more of Exploring the Word right after this break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Kimbra Davis from the Office of Natural Resource Revenue. Her office manages incoming and outgoing payments related to energy and natural resources. Deuteronomy 25.15 reminds us of the importance of honest management of resources. A full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Kimbra Davis as she helps manage revenue for our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. There's no point heeding a warning if it only applies to somebody else. Or is there? Dr. Tony Evans says that's a question worth considering. He'll tell us more as we spend two minutes with Tony. Perhaps you remember the story of the mouse. He went to the barn and told the chicken, the pig, and the cow, just thought you need to know, Farmer Brown just bought a mouse trap. The chicken, the pig, and the cow said, I don't know why you told us that. A mousetrap is your problem. A few days later, a poisonous snake got caught in the mousetrap. Mrs. Brown was walking by the mousetrap, and the snake, who hadn't died yet, bit her. Her husband comes in and says, I see you're sick. What can I do for you? She says, I think I need me some chicken soup. 
Farmer Brown goes to the barn, gets the chicken. But Farmer Brown's got to work. So he gets some of the ladies in the neighborhood to come over in the morning to check on his wife, but he got to feed them breakfast. So he goes to the barn and he gets the pig. But unfortunately, Farmer Brown's wife dies. They come over to the house after the funeral and Farmer Brown got to feed all these people. So he goes and he gets the cow. The mouse said, I tried to tell him, but they didn't get the message. Satan has a mouse trap. But because we don't think it relates to us, we don't pay attention to it. We think this mouse trap is for everybody else. Until we see the repercussions, we find ourselves caught up in it down the line. You can escape the devil's trap and live a brand new life that starts now and goes on for eternity. To find out how, visit TonyEvans.org. Click on the link that says Jesus and check out Tony's video that explains everything. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You know, we've got a very dear friend in West Virginia, Augusta, West Virginia, Christ Community Church. I've been there to preach. Uh, Glenn Moreland, he's probably listening now. He's just a go-getter and uh, witnesses for the gospel. And uh, Bertie was telling me this Sunday they've got a big day there at Christ Community Church. Gold City is going to sing. Oh, wow. 1030. Yeah. And uh, they listen, they support AFR. And um, listen, I can't be there. I wish I could, but I'll be in Ohio. But if you don't have a church home and you're in West Virginia and you're beautiful, beautiful part of the country, Augusta, West Virginia, which is not too, too far from our nation's capital, on Palm Sunday to hear Gold City. Now, that would be that, that'd be a, a, a great service, now, wouldn't it? It wouldn't. Alex, you think they might do Midnight Cry? I would hope so. Yeah, I hope so. listen, I wonder about some of these quartets and individuals, and they've got such a classic, like something like that, that they're known for, and they sing it, does it get old? Well, let me just share this. I've got ser- I got a few sermons that people say, hey, Brother Burt, would you mind preaching this sermon again, this sermon again? Alex, I, I don't know about music, but I know about mer- messages that I've preached more than one. They're fresh and new every day when you spend time with the Lord before you preach it, you know? Amen. Always, always. Yes. And folks, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, we're talking about Palm Sunday, which is just coming up. I do want to give the number because in just a moment, or a few moments rather, we'll open up the phone calls and we would love to have a Bible question from you. The number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And, uh, you know, Bert, people have wondered like the significance of, of Palm Sunday. Um you know, it talks about this when Jehu was anointed king of Israel. Um, spreading coats on the ground was a way to honor someone. Second Kings 9.13, at the anointing of King Jehu, it says, They took off their cloaks, spread them under him, and they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. And it was kind of like, you know, in our day, we might say rolling out the red carpet. 
So when Jesus, and he had, remember, for three years, he had been teaching, healing, doing miracles. He fulfilled every criteria of Messiahship. And people knew. They said, this is the one, okay? So as he comes riding into Jerusalem on that Sunday before Passover, Sunday before what we call Easter, the people, they were praising Jesus and essentially asking him to be their Messiah King, like King Jehu. But, um, Bert, I wonder if they were thinking more of a, of a political context rather than a spiritual context, because, you know, Rome was an occupying presence in Jerusalem, and the people didn't like that. And so, sadly, less than a week after this triumphant entry, the same people shouting Hosanna on Palm Sunday would be shouting crucify him, and uh, we see that in John 19.6. We do, and to answer that question about what they knew in John's uh, recap of the triumphant entry, which is not have quite as many details, but after it says they broke the palm branches, laid their clothes out before them, sang Hosanna, and, and all of that riding on a donkey, chapter 12, verse 16 of John says, His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now, Alex, again, a lot of unclarity until the Holy Spirit came. And, and that's why, like Peter, Peter, after the Holy Spirit came upon him on the day of Pentecost, and he preached with power, and he preached. Doesn't mean he didn't make any mistakes after that, but there was a difference in them. Again, it demonstrates these apostles and what they knew. We're talking about the people that spent three years with Jesus by his side. They didn't fully comprehend it when he said, I've got to go to Jerusalem and present myself to them, and that's what he's doing and they're going to reject me. They're even going to, to crucify me. They're, they're going to do that. They could not completely comprehend that. I, I want to just tell people, if you're listening today, what a blessing it is to have the Bible, and that is great. They had the Old Testament. We have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. But I just want to tell you, you would still not be able to do it apart from the Holy Spirit of God that he comes into our life at the point of salvation. And so, Alex, what a, what a gift. Let me just share with you. What a gift of salvation, but what a gift of the presence of God in our lives that he can clarify these things. And that's what happened to these apostles. After Jesus was glorified and he went to heaven, the Holy Spirit came, they had that understanding. We can have that understanding through the power of God's Word and his Holy Spirit in our lives as followers of Christ, can't we? Amen, amen. And, oh, my goodness, uh, you know, we talk about salvation and the forgiveness of sins, but just life and peace of mind and joy and just... um, the, the the presence of God, you know, if you don't have Jesus, you're just not really alive. You know, you're not <laughs> it's fully existent. Alive. You're existing. You're, you're yeah, exactly. You might be it. existing, but yeah. you're not living. Amen. That's is that that divine vacuum that's inside of every man. If it's not filled with the presence of God, you're missing out on the great greatest gift that has been given to man. Amen. Amen. And you know, that's why when I'm traveling, I can I can. With about 99% accuracy, I can tell when I'm with a Christian. 
because they've just got a certain glow. I'll be sitting on an airplane or talking to somebody, you know, and I'll say, hey, you're a believer, aren't you? And they'll say, well, how did you know? I'll say, well, it just, you know, Christians just have a certain shine about them. But, but listen to this. Okay, Palm Sunday, they put down these, they roll out the red carpet. Maybe we should say they roll out the green carpet. <laughs> Bert, it's been said that palm branches symbolize life, vitality, healing. In 1 Kings um, 6.29, King Solomon had palm branches carved into the walls and the doors of the temple. Isn't that interesting? Now, now, you know, the temple that Solomon built, um, David didn't get to build it. David accumulated a lot of the building materials, but King Solomon uh, built the temple, and it says, and the land had peace. And by the way, I, I prayed that for our nation. And if we would turn back to the Prince of Peace, the land would have peace. But did you know that heaven, in heaven, this is amazing. Bert, I want to say this. I'm going to throw it to you. Folks, you and I weren't there on that first Palm Sunday, but we're going to participate a little bit. Revelation 7, verse 9 says, The saved of all the ages will honor Jesus again in heaven by waving palm branches. It's true. Now listen, the Bible says, quote, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Revelation 7, 9, listen. They were wearing robes and holding palm branches in their hands. End of quote. Bert, maybe in heaven we'll reenact Palm Sunday, only this time it'll be permanent. Amen. Now, I want to make a comment on the palm branches. This is great. If you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it'll say branches. Uh, I think it's Mark says leafy branches. When you get to John, it gives specific palm branches. And, and I, I just want to share with people, this is why to, to read the Word of God and, and connect these dots and connect verses with them, not to prove something. That's not what you're trying to do, to reveal truth to you. And here, Alex, when you talk about those palm branches, uh, I'm not saying Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't get the significance of, quote, them being palm branches, but John, he adds that in, and he puts that little detail in that brings Solomon's temple and what's going to take place in heaven together. And, and I, this is, I want to make a connection here, and I think it's a good connection. What's happened to us right now where we're at, we may not be able to connect something that happened before us, and we might not be able to know what is coming after this. But God does, and he connects those. And that's why God takes all things, and he works them for good in our lives to those that are called according to his purpose. That's, of course, Romans eight twenty eight verse 29 tells you what good is, and that's to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So, Alex, uh, your, your reference to the palm branches, isn't that great that that God is connecting those? And when we look at the Old New Testament— Gospels, and then we look at Revelation, how God brings it together so that we see the glory of God. Amen. It all does work together, doesn't it? And, you know, over and over in the Gospels, we'll see a phrase like this, you know, this was done that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet. And, you know, uh, Bert, uh, God's timetable is always just uh, very precise, right on time. 
And, you know, I pray for our nation. We need a revival so badly. We need a move of God's Holy Spirit. Um, It just seems like um, we just deviate farther and farther from what truth is, from what God's will is. But I want to say this. God still can raise the dead. God still can revive a nation. God still can breathe life into his church. But um, we've got to pray. Turn to him, and uh, we got to invest, don't we? I mean, we don't just passively um, watch the world go by. I mean, we can get in the game. We we can be a participant in the awakening that our nation so desperately needs. Alex, preach it, brother. Notice what these do. They purposely take off their garments, purposely. Uh, I, I know it's not a lot of effort, but they did it. It sacrifice. They purposely went to trees and use their knives or machetes, whatever, their sword, whatever they had to cut it and to bring it. Every one of them were investing in this. You catch, and what you're talking about when we pray, uh, when, listen, when we turn away from our wicked ways, when we see something that, uh, let me just say this, let's talk about Disney right now. Let's bring it to, and what we say, when we hear Disney doing what they're doing, and and really promoting putting our children at risk in so many ways uh and, and they're saying no you shouldn't do that disney purposely is turned that they're they're bringing out a film in june where they're going to have homosexuality demonstrated in a cartoon with uh you know and listen it's time to make a stand we can pray but guess what the effectual fervent prayer of what kind of man a righteous righteous man. man. Sometimes righteousness, yes, it's putting on Christ, but many times it's also turning away from sin, turning away from evil. And and listen, now just because I, I'm, I'm referring back to what I grew up hearing, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't run around with those that do. If that's all you have in your Christian life is I don't do this and I don't do that, I don't wear that, I don't do that, you hadn't got the real thing. You put, you take off and you put on. That's what John talks about. Put off those old garments. Put off those old ways and put on the new way of Christ. And this new way of Christ, it is truth and it is love, but it also brings hope. So Amen. when I saw that, they cut those trees, uh, leaves, branches. They purposely took off their their garments and laid them down, Alex. And I heard you saying we need to invest in praying for our country for our churches to have revival, um, uh, it, it, we, it's time for us to step up, isn't it? Well, it is. You know, I think about Mark chapter 2, the paralytic, you know, that was lowered down through the roof. And, of course, Jesus said, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Take up your bed and walk. And, and by the way, Mark chapter 2, you ought to read that. It's really great because it shows that Jesus, uh, he was showing himself to be deity. He allowed himself to be worshipped. And he claimed to be able to have the power to forgive sins because he said, son, thy sins be forgiven. And the people murmured. They said, well, who can forgive sins but God only? And Jesus said, well, so that you know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Watch this. I'm going to heal this man. Now, here's the thing, Bert, that I've I've often thought about the Mark chapter 2. They were out in the crowd, and they had their crippled friend, you know, out. Jesus, who knew all things, could have just, with the exertion of his mind, healed that person 
and the person would have miraculously gotten up. But they um, they put some skin in the game. They got on the roof, they removed the, the roofing, and they lowered him down. And yes, it was Jesus that did the healing, but some people of faith participated. And, and I think about this, when it comes to revival, could God just, with a, one word, cause the whole wide world to be full of the Holy Spirit? Well, yeah, but we are to participate. And, um, you know, as Charles Finney said, God is more desirous to send revival than we're willing to even ask for it. So I think it's wonderful, Bert, every time I get to lead somebody to Christ— and and we we don't save anybody. We're just the little messenger boy. But I thank God that He allows us to participate in the most important, critical work in history: Amen. the saving of souls, the spreading of the gospel. He lets us participate in that. Isn't that just an amazing blessing? <laughs> it is. Uh, I I'm I sit back and I'm amazed uh, when I look to see what God has done. And uh, I I pray God is doing something in your life today that he is making himself known. If you've never come to know him, he is the very son of God. When they asked the question, who is this? They said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. I just want to tell you, he's more than that. He is Lord. And uh, he died on the cross so that you could have life. He rose again so we could live again. And he overcame our two greatest enemies, sin and death. And he desires to take up place in your life. Would you ask him to come into your life as you ask him to be Lord of your life? He died, he was buried, he rose again so that we could have life. We're going to take phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Are you in need of hope, encouragement, and the love of God? I'm Pastor Salem. I'd like to invite you to join us for the Christian Worship Hour. For decades, I've been teaching the Word of God so that people everywhere can experience the love and power of a personal relationship with our Lord. Tune into this station this weekend and prepare to be blessed and encouraged by another life-changing message. Learn more about our program at ChristianWorshipHour.com. Here's some great news. If you miss the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. 
So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The verses from Colossians I just quoted are immediately followed by, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. The delusion and deception of humanistic philosophy require its prey to become bitter, entitled, and unthankful. To remain impervious to deception, we must abound in thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving empowers us to reject the captivity of today's grievance culture. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you. Alex is going to be in Cincinnati preaching Sunday. I'll be at First Baptist Church, Baldwin, Mississippi, north of Tupelo. And uh, if you're in this area and you'd love to come, we'd love to see you there. But we're glad that God is working and we're praying. Just We spent a good bit of time today praying that God would send revival. And uh, there's that old, Lord, old song, Lord, send a revival and let it begin in me. So, Alex, uh, we we need to say, oh, God, I'm available. Uh, clean out my life and make me useful. Uh, mold me, make me, you know. We need to pray those prayers, don't we? Yeah, we do. And, you know, salvation is a one-time event, but revival and uh, getting a fresh touch from God, a fresh vision of Jesus, uh, I need that repeatedly in my Amen. life, and I thank God for it. Well, I heard. Well, let me share this. Let me share this real quick for you, do. Yeah. Uh, my professor at Blue Mountain College, Doctor James Travis, said we need to be filled every day, and and then he'd say, "I know why." And he said, "We leak, and <laughs> we get. Uh, well, we yeah. need to get refilled every day with the Spirit of God." Amen. Where did we go to first? All right. How about we go to Texas and we'll talk with William. William, thank you for holding, and you are the first caller on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex, it's Bobby Joe. It's not William. Oh, Bobby Joe. The first time I sit down with you. (laughs) Well, bless your heart. That's right. Yes. Good to have you. I want yes, I wanna I wanna touch on one more point. In the Old Testament, that it's God specifically prophesied, and I don't remember which, if it was Isaiah or Micaiah, whoever, but it was called the Beast of Burden. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a Beast of Burden is a cross between a mule and a donkey. It is a specific animal that Jesus rode in on, even down to that detail. Could y'all expound on that some more? Well, yeah, you know, back in Exodus, when it talks about uh, a donkey being a beast of burden, it's interesting that um, the Hebrew word there it does talk about a you know a type of livestock that that does a certain work, 
And Jesus was definitely, he rode in on a donkey. Uh, in that, well, in that culture, Bert, as I understand it, a donkey was not only a, a symbol of peace, but it was the, um, it, it was the livestock of, of the low class, the, the poor, not the, not the animal of a rich man. And I think in some ways, Jesus being on that donkey, sure, Jesus would take our sin burden, and he came in on a work animal. Uh, not, not a show horse, but a work horse. Yeah. But also, it shows that he's, he's for everybody, not just the king for the upper crust, but the Savior for the down and out, the lowly. Um, it, it showed humility. Now, he'll come back on a white horse, but his first public presentation there in Jerusalem, uh, it was on a donkey, wasn't it? It was. And, and again, he came to the cradle, and again, it was that's using the manger, but using it. And he drove on a donkey the first time. The second time he comes back, uh, he's coming for a crown and riding a horse. So uh, he is coming back. The other thing I'd, I'd love to make sure that we see this, it says he comes that way lowly, and you expounded on that humbly. Uh, you know, he came, and that's the whole idea of Jesus, being that servant that he was. He came not to do his will, but he came to do the will of the Father. Everything about Christ, being born there of a virgin, being born in Bethlehem, of all places, not in Jerusalem, but outside of Jerusalem. Everything about that birth in his life and, and his death was that of, of serving Alex and, and being, again, humble. And no wonder we need to humble ourselves before God and come to him. By the way, we got phone lines that are open, so if you want to give us a call, you can call 888-589-8840. We've got room for you, but we got somebody else right now, don't we, Alex? We do. We have Larry um, in Illinois. Larry, thanks for holding. Welcome. Good evening. Thank you. Yes. I'm going to be in Illinois in about uh, two or three weeks, but we'll talk about that later. But uh, it's good to have you, Larry. Thanks for holding. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I had a, a comment on your, uh, well, the word Hosanna that you talked about earlier, it, and it, it does mean save now. But I was in a Bible study uh, some time back, and they said that Hosanna is actually a combination of two Old Testament words, Hoshea, which means salvation is from Jehovah, and Hana, which means grace. So when they were saying save now, they were all saying salvation comes through Jehovah, and it's by grace. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, had not, I had not put those together. Had you, Alex? No, I hadn't, but I appreciate you sharing that, Larry. And, that and I can wonderful. see the word form of that, you know, being that, yes. because uh, hallelujah, hosanna, those words translate. It's like hallelujah. Uh, you can say hallelujah in, in Spanish or German. It's hallelujah, you know? And uh, there's something about hosanna the same way it transcends uh, language. You catch what I'm saying? And, yes. and, and that is so important that, Jesus came, uh, yes, he came as a Hebrew, as a Jew, born of a Jew, but he came to, to what did God say to Abraham? You're going to be a blessing to the world. And yes. it was because of the descendant that would come from him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Larry, uh, that's a great word. 
Thank That's you so a great much. Observation. It is. You know, Bert, um, by the way, as we get toward Easter, and I, I love Easter, I really do. And um, and folks, next week we have some very special shows we're going to be doing. Bert and I have um, a lot of research that we've been doing about Easter. So next week it's going to be, I think, very powerful. But uh, there was the hymnist Isaac Watts. Many will recognize that name, one of the great hymn writers of the faith. And he wrote in that song... Um, See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow, mingle down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Um, in When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, did you ever, in pastoring, did you ever during the Lord's Supper um, have them sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross? I have, and I just want to say, I believe, I may, this is just, music's one of those things that people have preferences but I honestly believe the words of when I survey the wondrous cross, I, if it's not the top one, it's in the top ten of the greatest hymns ever written, Alex, when it, it comes has to, to the be. field. It has to be. And, uh, yes. And oh. what does it end on? It demands my life, my all. My and all. My all. Uh, if you haven't given your all to Christ today, I pray you would. Alex, Amen. got another caller? Oh, what what a privilege! Uh, in Mississippi, Harry, I believe, Harry, uh, welcome. What's your question for us today? Hello, brother. I get inspired every time I hear you guys. I to God be the glory. And, uh, and to God be the glory. And I was saved, and I felt like uh, my heavenly Father and my Lord and Savior and my Holy Spirit all came into my life, and I've been saved for a long time. And I've always felt that all three of them were in my life. I can feel their presence in times. Uh, but I've seen where some people discuss the fact that the uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a different issue rather than being saved, whereas I feel like I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved. And he's, he's helped me in my life. He's, I felt his hand. Would you help me out? Did I Amen, Harry. Amen. Thank you. Listen, at the moment of salvation, there's so much we could say here, Alex. I'm going to limit mine because we've got other callers. But, uh, Harry, once you were saved, you were indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. And one more thing about that. You remember what Jesus said? He said, we would see the Father ask him. He said, do you not understand that I've been so long with you that once you have seen me, you have seen the Father? So when the Holy Spirit comes in our life, this is the uniqueness of the Trinity. Again, don't ask me to explain it. Don't ask me to try to uh, understand it all. I just know it is. When you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you got Jesus. you got God, the Father. He comes in in his totality. Uh, and, and so, but yet we have the feeling, Alex, the indwelling, but we have the feeling that's for living, and we need that each day, don't we? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Well, have you ever heard this? And folks, listen, this is really, I think, significant. <laughs> Excuse me, significant to ponder on. Um, all believers have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit may not have all of them. That's a good point. You know, and so, so when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us forever. The Holy Spirit indwells us. Now, different people, uh, I think, have different experiences of how that presence comes to power or is manifested. All believers have the Holy Spirit, 
but there might be uh, different degrees to which we have let the Holy Spirit really control our life. But it's a, a beautiful thing that, you know, in fact, I would encourage people to read Ephesians 5. And, um, you know, talks about suppressing some of the uh, inclinations of the flesh, but um, letting the Spirit, letting the Spirit lead you. So, um, uh, Harry, thanks for bringing that out. We need to do more teaching on the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the power and the presence that the church needs today. Uh, praise God. Well, Karen in Texas, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you, guys. I, I love y'all so much. I really appreciate your show. And I'm reaching out to you today because um, I'm going to try to keep it quick. I know time is short. Um, I had the opportunity to talk to a Hindu man um, Saturday evening. We probably talked for about 40 minutes, but he was a professed, not not practicing Hindu and um, it was really hard for me. I wish y'all could have been there right next to me, but he just felt like when he lived and when he died, if he died right there that night, he was going to uh, just go to the dust. He was going to die, and he's lived a good person. And and uh, it was really hard for me. It was so sad for me in trying to talk to him. And he was just saying, well, I'm a good person. I said, well, how do you define good? He said, well, I live a good life. So Basically, it comes down to the fact that he really, he said because of my Christian upbringing, that that's the reason I had the concept of good and evil. And I, and he says, I'm talking to you here tonight, and you're a good person. I said, well, not necessarily. And he says, well, you don't think you're a good person? I said, I know I, I live in an evil world. He didn't even have the concept of what good and evil. And I thought, guys, I thought that was kind of innate with everybody. So it was real eye-opener to me, and I just, uh, he was at peace and never thinks about afterlife or anything. I'm just, um, I was stumped because I didn't know how to, I was sad when I left. I didn't know how to Karen, respond I, to that. I want to tell you, God's going to use what you did say. Uh, he's going to remember she's not good. Uh, he, God will use that. Now you, we may be better equipped to answer and I understand that, but you, that is the truth. A lot of folks, because of, they're thinking and they they come I, I believe if a person knows there is a god and they start looking and considering different gods whether it's hindu whatever it is if you really put them side by side you'll find out the god of the bible is the god that that is I, i'm just going to say this alex it's not only right it's logical because he's the re, he is the creator and redeemer and sustainer isn't he he, he really is. And you know what? I found in talking with Hindus, one thing that it's worthwhile and perhaps fruitful to bring out is the concept of sin. Because if in the Hindu worldview, you know, we have to come back to work out bad karma. or And the word karmas, K-A-R-M-A-S, is really actions. So we do things that are bad actions and we sin. But, you know, there's never any real defined way to get out of it, um, to, you know, right now, let's say we're in this world, we're suffering, and we, we don't know what we did in the past life, the previous life, and we don't know how to atone for it. And so we say, well, in the Christian worldview, we have a man named Jesus who did something nobody else ever did. He rose from the dead. Jesus' resurrection sets him apart, and his, his word is authoritative because 
only Christ in all of history, only Jesus had power over the grave. And Jesus said um, it's not reincarnation, multiple lives, cycles of karma. No, we have sin and we're separated from God, but he decisively, thoroughly, uh, with a guarantee, he paid for sin. And the cycle of karma, uh, which is really a myth anyway, just to get us to live and die in an unsaved state, Jesus breaks the power of... One, one songwriter said he breaks the power of canceled sin. All that past stuff that we can't undo, he forgives, and from it we are set free. So, Karen, God bless you. Thanks. Um, you know, let me say this. In some of my books, like 10 Answers for Skeptics, 10 Answers for Atheists, in my book, The 10 Most Common Objections, I talk about world religions. God bless you for trying to be a witness for Christ, and I'm sure the seeds you sowed, um, they won't be forgotten, and God will use them to bear fruit. So bless you. Okay, uh, Richie in Oklahoma. And it's real fast. I mean, 10 seconds or 20 seconds, Richie. Go ahead. Okay, uh, yeah, I appreciate your ministry, and uh, just wanted to get your comments on the uh, Jewish festivals uh, in Leviticus and related to the first coming of of Jesus, uh, uh, you know, the Passover, the unleavened bread, and and, uh, first fruits, about Thank you, Rich. Alex Mako's comment says we've got a minute left. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much. You know, I wrote a chart about this for Rose Publishing, R-O-S-E. And see, all of the festivals, the ceremonial uh, rituals, they were all to point toward Jesus. And I think about, you know, the Feast of Trumpets. One day there's a trumpet going to sound and Christ is going to come back. Um, When we have more time, we'll unpack those. But, you know, there was the Lamb. He's the Lamb that takes away the sin. That's why Jesus could say, search the scriptures. They testify of me, John 5, 39. You can study them and see Christ. We don't have to keep them anymore. Christ has come and set us free. Thank you, Reggie. Alex, look forward to tomorrow as we continue looking at Palm Sunday. And we answer the question, who is this? It's Jesus of Nazareth. He is more than a prophet. He is the Savior. Welcome, and thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. 